0: Hi, I'm James Schillinglaw, and I'm here once again. It's been a while with Bill McGee, who is an airline expert. Uh, and I'm going to let he's he's affiliated with a new group, and I'm going to let him describe what it is. He, he was formerly uh, affiliated with Consumer Reports, uh, but Bill knows everything about the airlines. And of course, uh, this week in particular, and for the last few weeks, uh, we have been plagued by airline cancellations. And we're going to go and, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, why it's happening, how it can be solved, if if it can, uh, and a whole lot more. And you're going to find about that on Insider Travel Report. Now, first of all, Bill, great to see you. Uh, it, it's been apparently it's been a, 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 an interesting summer so far um, for for airlines. And uh, first of all, tell me, you you just moved. You're now affiliated with a new group. But tell us a little bit about that and what you do for them.
1: Absolutely. Good to see you, James. Always a pleasure. Uh, so yes, uh, I was with uh, Consumer Reports for about 22 years, first on the editorial side and then on the advocacy side. And uh, Consumer Reports made a decision recently to shut down its advocacy work but uh, in the airline sector. Um, but I'm really thrilled. I just joined a new group called uh, American Economic Liberties Project. And I'm the senior fellow for aviation and travel. They've been around about two and a half years. Uh, they're very uh enthusiastic and go get 'em group uh, and they were looking to have a, a, an airline component for what they do they're very interested in uh in sort of reining in corporate greed through uh antitrust, through mergers and consolidation and uh of course through advocacy so <laughs> With the airline sector, there's a lot to do there. I yeah, think, I know. we we'll up soon. Somewhat of a Herculean job, but it's not <laughs> like you're trying to take My on. But,
0: uh, especially because there's always something new with the airlines, and, and and that's what we're here to talk about. Because obviously, uh, our travel advisors out there book a lot of airline tickets. Believe me, they're still booked. Probably over half of them. Uh, And they, unfortunately, have had to deal with this situation with their clients and wondering, you know, why is my flight canceled and why is this other flight canceled? Uh, I have been extraordinarily lucky. And I travel, as you know, I travel quite a lot. So far, so good. I haven't been canceled, but um, I'm down here actually at a conference in Washington. And a lot of the travel advisors down here that came for this conference, their flights were delayed or canceled. So what the heck is going on with the airlines this summer?
1: That is the question. What the heck is going on with the airlines this summer? That's all I hear. Uh, my, my phone is blowing up several times a day, and I'm not talking about from media or people in the industry, but from friends and family that are you know telling me about flights being extended, deleted, extended delays, flights that are canceled, mishandled baggage. It's just a nightmare. Uh, I wouldn't say this if it wasn't true. You've been around the industry for a while. So have I. I started working in the airlines believe it or not, 1985. So I've got 37 years either working in the industry or writing about the industry or advocating about the industry. And I've never seen a summer like this. And, you know, obviously we've been through a lot over the years with 9-11 and wars and pandemic and everything else. But this is pretty extraordinary. And I think... Uh, I've never seen this level of cancellations before. That's number one. There's a lot to unpack here. So I think we have to sort of take it piece by piece. Well,
0: Let's let's do this piece by piece. And I'll sort of try to ask these questions. Uh, You know, a lot of people, what the airlines say that, you know, they have a shortage of pilots and crew and that's causing them to uh, cancel flights or actually maybe not even schedule them. We're going to get into that because a lot of them are pulling back on their schedules, they say, to make everything work. Uh, But is it true that there's a shortage of pilots and crew
1: right now? That's, a, that's an expression that really sort of grates on me when I hear pilot shortage, you know, because um, you have to ask ourselves, America has a pilot shortage, you know, the, the, the country that invented the airplane, there's 300 million of us. I think what we have to clarify what the what the airlines are trying to say, what we have is a shortage of pilots who want to work for the wages that are being offered. That's what we right. have. Okay. And we've seen this same scenario. You and I have talked about this before. We've seen it with aircraft mechanics as well. Right this industry decimated the maintenance field. And as you know, we've talked about it. Uh, all the airlines in the United States now, without exception, outsourced their maintenance work. Much of it overseas, El Salvador, China, Singapore, uh, Brazil, Mexico. Well, <laughs> what did that do to our own American uh, mechanics, right? People are not getting into the field, you right. know, I I spoke to a mechanic. He was a mechanic for a major airline for about 35, 40 years. And he told me, you know, my son just got out of the service. And he said, you know, dad, I think I want to do what you want to do. And he said, I told him not to. He said, I never could have imagined I would tell him that. Right. Same thing with pilots. There's a shortage. Yes. But let's let's, let's ask the follow-up question. Why is there a shortage? The airline industry did this to itself. And I think, you know, we need to have a conversation about that so we don't go down the same path again. And so, Let's let's go back to you know two years ago, the airline industry received as big a bailout, according to the New York Times, it was as much money as any industry, fifty-four billion dollars, grants, loans. Okay. There was never a question that there would be a bailout. The question was, you know, how much? Right. We as consumer advocates, um, some of us reached out to Congress and said, look, if you're gonna give taxpayer money to the business to this industry, well, let's have some provisions for consumers on refunds and things like that. That didn't make it in but i think you'll recall only one thing made it into the airline uh, cares act and that was that the airlines were supposed to keep their staffing up to speed so that yeah that's pay. what i thought was the deal that you that was the staffing. deal and they accepted the money right so now you're scratching your head and saying what happened well they found a loophole is what they did they didn't technically lay anybody off because that would have been in direct violation of what you know they had promised but instead they encouraged early retirements and so we had this wave of pilot retirements during during COVID, you know? Now, suddenly, not surprisingly, after two years, there's this tremendous pent-up demand, as you well know. Everybody wants to fly again. People want to see people they haven't seen in years. They want to get back out on the road. Some of us did a little traveling during COVID, you certainly did, but a lot of people didn't, as you know, some people right. haven't been on a plane in three years, you know? And now they do, now they want to do that. To me, James, there's, there's there's two issues here. First, we have to figure out what happened with this pilot shortage and address it. But that is a long-term thing. Let's let's be very clear. This is late June. This is not going to be fixed this summer. You know, you can't hire pilots on Tuesday and have them flying on Friday, right? Not, I don't, not,
0: not, not that I'd want them in the forecast.
1: Nobody would. It wouldn't be yeah. right, right? So they have to go through all that they have to go through, all the training, all of that. Okay, fine. It's going to be a while. So that's one issue. The second issue is what do we do in the immediate... Future, what's happening right now? And this is the part I'm using strong language, but I'm not I'm not being hyperbolic about it. I have to tell you you know, I've been around this industry a long time. I've never seen a case in which so many flights that should have been canceled in advance are being canceled at the last minute, and that's the part that's unforgivable to me. We have a bad situation, and there's a lot of blame to go around on that, and we need to talk about it. But this is not the response. This, you know, how many stories have you heard recently of people in a taxi on the way to the airport or the morning of, you know, getting ready, packing their bags that are suddenly getting a text. Your flight is canceled.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I know okay. that.
1: Now, when I worked in airline flight operations, as you know, I mean, I'm an FAA licensed aircraft dispatcher. I used to do this. I mean, this is what I did. I, you know, I, I worked in operations. We canceled flights. We, we rescheduled flights. I used to do it all the time. Yeah. We had, you know, thunderstorms in the summer and blizzards in the winter and fog in the fall. That's, you know, that's the way the planet's been for, you know, millions of years now. Um, But the fact is, they're trying to blame this on weather and air traffic control. Uh Uh-uh. No. No. if you put it in pie chart form, it's a very small sliver for weather and air traffic control in recent weeks. This is on them. And this is the part that's unacceptable, is that you cannot be canceling these flights at the last minute. There's no good scenario here. There's no, I mean, the summer, there's no good scenario. But if the choice is, you're going to get a notification that your flight a month from now is, is canceled, Or you're going to get it the morning that you're packed and you have the, you know, the kids with you and the crying baby and everything else. And you're heading Uh to the airport, which you're going to pick. Right. So they have to really, you know, take a deep breath and and suck it up and do the right thing. And, you know, I'm always happy to give credit to airlines that do the right thing. What what is
0: what is the right thing in this? They have to
1: cancel in advance and they have to notify. Uh, how
0: how far in advance would you think that is whatever
1: it takes. I mean, in other words, you know, Alaska Airlines to its credit, I'm giving you I'm, I'm calling out credit here. Alaska Airlines in the spring, you know, made announcements that they were canceling, you know, lots of flights, uh, hundreds and hundreds of flights all through the summer. That's what you need to know. Then you can go to plan B. Right. Right. Um, again, there's no good scenario here. People are saying like, well, you know, I just was talking to a reporter yesterday who said to me, um, well, how can we fix this by Fourth of July? I said, we're not going to fix it. by. we're not going to be able to fix it by Labor Day. Forget Fourth right, of July. Right. right? So. You know, first is honesty. Okay, so if the airline industry is out there as their as their trade group, Airlines for America, the other day, you know, I saw media reports again, weather, air traffic control. If they're not even acknowledge what the problems are, we have we have a bigger issue here. There's there's a there's a problem with, you know, with transparency here of what's happening. Right. And and. I'm talking to reporters and I'm talking to people saying, well, it was weather. No, 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 no. Okay, I I did this for a living. You know, when I worked in the airline industry, when I was uh, at the shuttle in the northeast and I I was a dispatcher and I was an operations manager, my nickname was B.C. McGee. And the B wasn't for Bill. It was uh, Black Cloud McGee. I brought (laughs) the bad weather with me on my days off. It was sunny. And when I came in, they said, oh, no, he's here. Here come the thunderstorms. And so if, if
0: they know you were working, you they were canceling the flights well in advance, right?
1: They were, I, 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 I'm not kidding. you. It was like they put me on the schedule. I, people would come in to work with me. Oh, no, you're on today. We yeah. wanted to have an easy day. You know, so, <laughs> sorry, I didn't I didn't know that the, the embedded fog in Boston that's going to sit there for three days that I brought it with me. But, yeah. you know, so, yeah, I, I you know, Nobody in the airline industry has to explain to me how weather works and how it affects operations. Yeah. I did it for a living. I've been inside that beast, I know. But I have to call BS on, you know, saying that this is what this is about. This is not what this is about. This
0: is all about pilot, l- lack of pilots because they didn't, they they saw too many retire and they right. haven't been replacing them fast enough. And it's going to take a while to do that.
1: And other staffing as well, by the way, it's not just pilots, but of so course, pilots true, are the most critical, you know. Some functions yeah. you can maybe work around. You can't work around pilots. There's no there's no viable alternative for that. Um, there is there are some problems with staffing on uh, air traffic controllers nationwide, mostly in the state of Florida. Some of it has to do with vaccinations, et cetera. That's a whole nother political issue. But the bottom line is this is not these delays cannot be put on ATC or on weather. This is, yeah, this this is, is, this is, this is the airline really itself. And you have to situation. own up to it. Yeah.
0: Now, I guess, so, the, I mean, the other day, I mean, I literally, two days before my, I was taking a flight to Australia, believe it or not. And two days before the flight, I get a notification that we might have bad weather that night. So if you want to change your flight, and I'm thinking, this is pretty early to be telling me this. Uh, I didn't do it because I had connections and I only had a, but do you think this is a symptom of they're trying to get out front almost too far uh, to cancel flights that might be canceled?
1: Well, you know, so let's, let's talk about how the industry works, right? So if you go into a reservation system, airlines in the United States um, have reservations available 11 months out. It's 330 days, right? So it's June, 2022. You can book a flight May, 2023. Right. The airlines, but let's just stay with the major airlines. Maybe some of the smaller airlines don't have a sophisticated technology. But let's let's talk the big guys, American Delta, United Southwest. They have a ton of money invested in state of the art technology for aircraft scheduling, crew scheduling, flight scheduling. They can look 11 months out now, of course, common sense tells you it gets harder the further out you look. Right. I mean, sure. I'd give them leeway if they have a problem with staffing next May. That's not the problem here. We're talking about today. This week, next week, two weeks from now, no one is going to tell me that major airlines with those sophisticated tools and all that money invested in in technological aids, that they don't know what their crew staffing is for the next, let's just even make it liberal and say 90 days. Okay, I mean, they know. So this is why, you know, I'm saying I'm, I'm calling foul on this because. There's no way. I mean, I just had friends the other day. They said we were, we were stuck in traffic right outside the airport. And, you know, the, the phone pings. And I'm like, yeah. And they said, what do I do now? I mean, it's really tough. What do you do now? Right. I mean, you know, you try and come up with the best advice you can give, but we all know it's about math. There's just not enough seats for all the people that are flying. Right. The load factors this summer are there, you know, the highest load factors the industry ever have I talk about it all the time was during World War II when the when right. the airlines were basically drafted and you know became troop carriers and the load factors were in the high nineties. We're looking at that now. I mean, now, now was, was the there's case, no empty seats anymore. Was this a case of the airlines not anticipating this
0: sudden return in demand uh, that they just didn't think this would happen this quickly and so they were not able to ramp up uh, to meet the demand?
1: An excellent question. I mean, I'm not on the inside, so I, you know, it's you're asking me to prognosticate. Well, I can do is take a guess. I mean, my guess is um, I think they know full well what demand was. You know, they have the big airlines again. Let's we won't pick on the small guys, maybe they don't have the same resources, but the big guys they have entire departments that just look at worldwide events and national events. And and they look at everything. They look at terrorism. They look at the state department warnings. They look at war. They look at weather. They look at all kinds of stuff, climate, they, you know, labor actions. They, that's their job is to try and, you know, forget COVID even let's pretend things were a few years ago. They have to look at like, where are we putting our resources? How many flights a day do we want to have, you know, from city A to city B? When they do that, they have to look at a million factors. I know, you know, people have said to me, well, they were caught flat footed. I don't buy that. I mean, you know, I don't do this for a living. I don't sit in right. an office just figuring out what traffic is going to look like from Dallas to Los Angeles. There are people that do that. But but why? Why? In
0: that case, why didn't they respond if they knew what was happening? Why wouldn't they? Have-
1: I think that's the question. And I think Congress has to ask that. And I want to talk a little bit about the DOT if you'd like. And mm-hmm. I think the DOT has to step in as well. But the bottom line is the question that I would ask if I had the authority is to say, why, in fact, do you have flights in your reservation systems that people are booking in real time as we speak? And that even more important than that, they're putting down their credit cards and money is being taken out of their accounts. And you're taking this money and earning interest on it when you have a reasonable doubt, more than reasonable doubt that you're not right. going to, be able to operate that. Now that's a very serious charge that they're offering flights that they know have a very high probability that they're not going to be able to operate. That's why the DOT needs to step in Congress, too. But that can be more cumbersome. So, you know, publicly at American Economic Liberties Project, we're calling on Secretary Buttigieg to step up. We were very happy to see he had a meeting last week with the airlines. Right. We were were urging him to do it earlier than he did, but he did it. And let's hope that something comes of it. But the bottom line is, um, you know, this may be a case of too little too late. Yeah, well, especially for this yeah. summer, if that's what we're right looking in terms for, of the said, summer season. Yeah, you, know, you can't have a meeting with airline executives in June to say let's fix the summer. <laughs> yeah. It's way too. You know, that's a conversation you should have had in the winter.
0: Yeah, though. Well, I got to ask you one thing. Uh, some one of the one of the things they blame is COVID. You know, that oh we have a uh, we have too many pilots and crew who are getting sick. Uh, is, is that a valid excuse? Uh, is it true, or I mean, is that?
1: You know, I mean, let's take them at their word. Okay, well, then that means you have to adjust the schedule. You know what I'm saying? It's like so much of this is opaque and we're not on the inside. I'm not going to call someone a liar. I'm not going to say, well, no, no, you don't. have. Maybe you do. But then therefore, why are you why are people getting in their cars and driving to the airport for flights that, you know, you can't operate? You know what I'm saying? That's where it all leads back to. And and so, I mean, this is what we you know, we were joking before about the bad weather when I was at the shuttle and all that. Well, the fact is there were days when we would cancel in advance because we knew, okay, a blizzard's coming, everything's going to be shut down, LaGuardia, Boston, New uh, Washington. Okay, fine. We would then cancel in advance. Other times, you're reactive. Everything's going along fine. Four o'clock on a hot July date th- day, there's a there's a thunderstorm, boom. Maybe it, it may be an eight minute thunderstorm, but trust me, it can have eight hours worth of you know residual delays and cancellation, right? And at midnight, you're still cleaning up from something that happened at two in the afternoon. Well, okay, that's, you know, that was unforeseen. If something is foreseen, then, hey, you need to react to it. This is the part that, you know, I mean, I keep harping on it because I think it's the crucial issue here. They're failing all of us by these, these late last minute cancellations. They're taking money. They're earning interest on that money. And then they're telling people at the last minute, oh, we can't operate it. Right. I don't want to say the reasons aren't important because the reasons are important, but they're almost tangential to what we're talking about here is how are you responding to these problems? You don't have the whatever resources it is. You don't have a plane. You don't have a crew. Then you need to tell people ahead of time. And that's the part. I'm just having so much trouble. Well, and and that's the
0: issue. And I talk to my our, our 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 viewers, our travel advisor viewers. They just want more communication. They want to know Absolutely. farther in advance if something's going to get canceled. Because guess what? They can help their clients uh, find a new flight if they know. They, right. It's a
1: lot harder to do that when you're heading for the airport and you got a flight in two hours. Right. Exactly. And I mean, it's all about it's all about transparency, right? And I mean. I just last week had a friend, I mean, I can't tell you how many stories I've gotten from friends and family recently and a friend, you know, had a complicated itinerary with multiple airlines. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm strongly advising you to use a travel advisor. You know, I mean, I said, this is the type of, you know, it's not, you know, New York to Chicago and back. And it's an easy trip that you could do yourself. This is a complicated itinerary. It's, it's foreign uh, destinations. It's multiple airlines, it's connections. And I, I put her in touch with an agent that I knew who was very good, and she was happy about that. But having said that, um, if if you know, I still use the term agent more than advisor because some old school. And you and I worked at Travel Agent Magazine; it wasn't Travel Advisor Magazine, but <laughs> that's right. You know, you know what I'm saying. But the bottom line is, if they're not getting good info from the airlines, how can they help their their customers?
0: Well, that's the point that I, I keep hearing from them. We need to get yeah. better information and better communication with the airlines. That's what I believe ASTA, American Society of Travel Advisors now, uh, is asking for from the carriers. I just had an interview that's actually up today as we speak with Zane Kirby, where we talk a little bit about that. Uh, Zane Kirby is the president and CEO of ASTA. But yeah, it's one of these other things. Now, I guess the other question in, in, in tangential with the COVID is, is part of this i wouldn't say a sick out but i keep hearing interviews from pilots saying look we are just overworked because there's not enough of us and we are we're burning out and we have to take a break and well and course- i don't know
1: if you saw but um just yesterday South, uh, southwest pilots uh at their headquarters in dallas um held a demonstration they were holding signs. Right. they were saying that they're frustrated too and i you know i i, I believe them they're saying they're frustrated because they're being overworked and, you know, putting in, putting, you know, having, having their schedules altered. And they're saying, I mean, from one of the comments that I read from one of these pilots, he was saying the same thing. He was saying they're getting bad information. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, a, this is a, a real loud call for secretary Buttigieg. You know, this is a guy who has a lot on his plate. We understand. Yeah. transportation's complicated. We talk about airlines, but there's, Highways and rail and everything else—we get that. It's a tough job. He also has all this infrastructure stuff on his plate, but he has to step up. He really does, Secretary Buttigieg. This is his moment. He has to step up and do something because, if you know, there's no good scenario, as we said. But he has to rein in this industry. There's just no, if there's no transparency with customers, mm-hmm. with travel advisors, with their own employees, the pilots are saying that then we have an industry that's really broken down here. Well, and it's not agree, one airline James, it's it's you know if you follow it as as I do and I'm sure you do you see that it's like playing whack-a-mole. Every every week <laughs> it's a different airline. Yeah, and a couple it, of months is, ago I was like, oh, it's airline A and airline B. Now it's C D E F G, you know, every week it's somebody different.
0: Now, you're absolutely right and and it seems to be it's been spreading. It sort of happened a bit in previous holiday situations. Uh, we we saw it uh, uh, and now just as the summer hits and as people are returning into the skies in record numbers, uh, they, I mean, think, I think in some cases, people say we're over 2019 figures that we are, you know, real people are going, uh, there, right. there's a pent up demand. Mm-hmm. And that apparently is also almost price resistant right now because the fares, well, we don't get into the fares, but right. the fares are going out as we were talking about that earlier, the right. fares are getting out of sight. You know, we, we lived through two years of, wow, I, I can go anywhere for under
1: a hundred bucks. It was kind of right. nutty, right. Uh, but now right. no, that day is gone. Right, right. I I I actually um, <clears throat> took a twenty nine dollar flight last year to Florida. Yeah, yeah, I
0: think I did that too. But now you you can still do Florida a little bit, but boy, yeah. you're looking at some of those other places and it's, it's yeah. back if not to normal, but to, to above that. Now, one of the things that we, you mentioned earlier is that w- what the airlines started to do and they were, did this uh, even a couple months ago, they started to bri- revise their schedules and basically change and reduce the number of flights they had so they could actually you know make sure they went out on time. But then we're running into the situation where if they reduced the number of flights, and even more people are traveling, you know, so the system's going to be overloaded because literally we think every you know the load factors are high now, and everybody's returning to the skies. You need more
1: flights, not fewer. You no, know, I I know. But if you can't operate them, what can you do? You know that's, this true. Is that's a, true. This is a rock and a hard place. I mean, there's no like I said, you know, early on in this conversation, there's no easy answers. I mean, if it was, we'd say okay, you know, roll out those those uh, crew that are in reserve. You know. Um, I I think you and I
0: should take pilot training. What about that? You know
1: what? Uh, I I do have my FAA dispatch license, but, you know, I like being on the ground talking to the guys rather than being up in the air and talking to the ground. But there you go. Having said that, um, you know, you mentioned fares. So I'm working on a project right now for American Economic Liberties uh, project. And um, I'm basically taking a look at the industry over the last couple of decades since deregulation. And, I've been doing a deep dive on pricing. You know, I mean, obviously I'm close to this industry and you can always learn something new. And and really what's emerged to me in recent weeks on this project is I think there's really two airline industries in the United States. One is, you know, if you live in places like New York and Washington and Los Angeles, you have options. We were just talking about $29 fares to Florida. You have options. And so the question is, well, why is that? Well, there's low cost carriers and ultra low cost carriers, right? Right. So whether it's JetBlue, Spirit, Allegiant, Frontier, some of those airlines have problems service-wise, even safety-wise. That's another discussion. But what what is undeniable is they benefit consumers price-wise because they bring fares down. And even if you don't fly, say Spirit, if Spirit's on the route that you're flying and you're on American United, guess what? Right. You're paying less because of Spirit's presence, Absolutely. even if you're in Florida. So the reason I say there's there's two Americas is much of the country doesn't live in New York and Washington and other places, you know, and, and desti- you know, leisure destinations like Florida and Las Vegas. And this isn't going to be news to a lot of, you know, a lot of your audience that are out in places where the only game in town are the majors. And they stopped competing head to head a long time ago on price. You know, you and I remember many, many Fridays where we would see fair sale from northwest and was continental and U.S. Airways going to match it. And I'd start, you know, I'd start calling the other airlines. Are you going to match this fair? Maybe the fair sale will stick. Maybe it won't. Those days are long over. When was the last time you saw American and United uh, slashing fares against each other or Delta? Right, doesn't I mean, happen. It just doesn't happen. If you don't have Frontier there, if you don't have JetBlue, whoever, Southwest, yes, I mean they certainly you know still are a low cost carrier in many ways. And in, in other areas, they're not. You know, um, they're in places they never used to fly to. So all of this, by way of saying, there's really two airline industries, and and for those that, um, you know, don't have low fare service. They're getting gouged. And boy, are they getting gouged in 2022 because, you know, uh-huh. these are some real spikes just since April. I mean, the, the the trend line on fares is going through the roof. So you, what do you have? You have flights that are more packed than they ever were. You have fares shooting up, you know, which was inevitable. I remember two years ago, people said, oh, these fares are going to stay low forever. Yeah. No. (laughs) When demand comes back, fares go up. That's not too hard to figure out. Right. And then this third factor, which is this is unforgivable. These these last minute cancellations, Um, they have to get in front of it if if there's any hope of of doing something with this summer. Um, It's a terrible thing to be told your flight is canceled. But again, I, I think I'd rather know a month in advance and maybe I can come up with a plan B than you know, than to find out when you're when you're packed and on your way to the airport, and, and
0: also if if you have a good travel advisor, you call them and let them find a, another solution for you, which you might be able they might be able to do at this point. Now, I guess I, I want to touch briefly. I know you're focused really largely on domestic carriers, but this problem is not not just domestic. It, it's it's international. I just heard you know the same situation is existing in London, where a lot of people got canceled flights. So this is a problem that. Uh, global carriers are, are having at least some of them. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, my son was traveling in Europe a few weeks ago and uh, he was connecting through Amsterdam. In fact, he stayed in Amsterdam for a while. And, um, you know, that that airport Schiphol in in, in Amsterdam is, is usually been a model of efficiency. It was a mess. Oh, I heard yeah, about Amstard this. It was, was horrible. Yeah, I heard yeah, about this. Yeah. And I'm
0: like, I was like, I, did I hear that right? Because it yeah. is supposed to be a wonderful airport.
1: I've I've long pointed to it as a model of, you know, a, a 21st century airport. You know, I've been going in and out of Amsterdam for years. Um, and uh, and so he had some, you know, he wound up uh, being about eight hours delayed on his flight back to the States, you know, um, and missed a connection, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yes, you're right. It's a global problem. But I will say this and um, I'm going to put the consumer advocate hat on for a moment. Um, in other countries, you have a lot more protection than you do here, right? This is the Wild West, <laughs> America.
0: Yeah, I know the e- EU is a lot more, you know, regulated in that sense where they uh, they offer also compensation schemes for right. uh, passengers who have been delayed or can't flights canceled.
1: Exactly. And so, you know, and that's, you know, that's regulation. That isn't something that's up to the airlines here consumers are at the mercy of the contract of carriage. It's a one sided contract. The airlines write it for and by themselves, you know, and you take it or leave it. Right. That's why lawyers call them contracts of adhesion, meaning you, you don't get you know, you don't get to negotiate with uh, United Airlines and say, I don't like that provision on page 15. You know, <laughs> you swipe your credit card, you've agreed to all of it, whether you realize it or not. Right. So here this is why some of us have been you know doing this drumbeat for 15, 20 years now with the DOT and with Congress, we need a passenger bill of rights. It's not that complicated. This isn't a, this isn't, you know, some manifesto like, you know, the the contracts of carriage can run 50 pages or more. This is, this is, you know, you go to the E you can Google it right now, European union, passenger protections. It's, it's this long, And it says, if your flight is delayed two hours, you're entitled to this four hours, this eight hours or more, this canceled this, if your baggage is mishandled, if you're involuntarily bumped, and that's it. There's no argument. Right. And, and, you know, the interesting part to me is US carriers also have to adhere to it. Carriers from all over the world. Oh, in, in, internationally, EU, yeah. Right. right. So I had an experience years ago where I was on a US airline based in Atlanta, rhymes with Felta. And, um, <laughs> you know, coming out of Brussels, we had a maintenance delay that a couple of us noticed. There was some damage to the plane and we called it out. And it was handled beautifully and well it was handled beautifully because we're in brussels not in atlanta right i mean you know i'm not picking on delta i'm just saying like that's how it is so in the eu there's rules like that canada i'm happy to say about uh, three years ago also put this in place we need to do that here because you're at the mercy of the airlines and they are not treating passengers well these days so um you know at american economic liberties project we're saying we need to have the same type of provisions here. And if this summer doesn't prove it, I don't know what will.
0: No, absolutely. And uh, we'll have to see what happens now. Now, I guess I going to get right down to it. But let's, let's close this out by saying, what what are the possible solutions, both short-term and long-term, that we can see? I mean, you mentioned some things. And obviously, uh, uh, the secretary, secretary of Transportation has met with the airlines, is trying to work this out with them. They're trying to work it out. Uh, the travel advisors that, that we go out to are – pleading with the airlines for more communication. So clearly more communication in advance is warranted, uh, you know, and, and let us know what's happening with these things. But what are some of the other uh, factors that, that might help solve that? One of the things I thought about is, is uh, you know, we do have a slew of new carriers coming into the market. Uh, yeah, which I'm kind of wondering where they're getting the pilots from, but that's another story. Uh, we have we have obviously uh, Dave Nealman's Breeze. We have a Bello. We have a Aha. We have right. things like that. And then even on the foreign carriers, things like just passed through my desk, the new carrier called Norse. Yeah. Uh, you know, Things like that are coming into the market, which is amazing. Uh, again, I'm not sure where they're getting the pilots, but most of these carriers are offering – uh, very low fares. And they also are, are doing city pairs that, um, quite frankly, as I live in the New York area, I can't fly them because there's no place. Although they uh, breeze is going into white Plains, So yes. we'll see what happens there. But is this a solution that, that it, it, by having these new wave of ultra low cost carriers that are trying to serve city pairs beyond the major cities that might help?
1: Uh, no question. I think it'll help. Um, and I happen to live in Connecticut. So I, um Uh, You know, Avello flies out of New Haven, Tweed Airport, a tiny little airport that doesn't sometimes doesn't even have commercial service. And Breeze flies out of Bradley and Hartford. So, you know, so I've been on them and and I've flown them. And, um, uh, you know, but I think it's important to remember both of those two, Breeze and Avello, they started up in 2021. Right. Prior to that, the last new scheduled passenger airline in the United States was Virgin America in 2007. Now that's kind of mind-boggling that we went for, and Virgin America, of course, is no longer with us. You oh, it's know, yeah. it's uh, Alaska, right? Richard Branson was not happy about that, and he made it clear that he wasn't happy. Um, so, 14 years without a new airline. Wow. That is unprecedented. I did, the, I did the homework. I looked it up. The airline industry was started in 1914. So, 108 years. We never had a 14-year period Without a new airline in the United States, now what does that tell you? That's really problematic. Now, in 1978, when the, when the airline deregulation act was passed, it's right there, right in the preamble, right at the top of the legislation. I was just reading it. One of the very first things it said was that this was going to open up the market. That there right. were going to be new. That was the
0: idea. Yeah.
1: And we did see it in the early 80s. We did it into the 90s, and then the big the majors, you know, helped squash most of that. Right. So whether it was bankruptcy, whether it was you know, uh, driving them out of town with lower fares, whether it was, you know, um, mergers and acquisitions in some cases. Um, but, you know, to go 14 years, that's the exact opposite of what deregulation was promised to do. Right. If if Alfred Kahn was still alive and he knew that there was going to be a 14 year you know, period without a new airline in the United States, I think his brain would have, you know, exploded. <laughs> I mean, really, because like that is not what we were supposed to have. So you have to ask yourself, They used to always in the regulation talks. I've been reading the transcripts from the congressional hearings and everything. They kept talking about the high barrier to entry that the government made it very hard. The Civil Aeronautics Board in those days for new entrants. Okay, now we're going to let the free market do it. Well, I would argue that we replaced one high barrier to entry with another. That that Wall Street now is the high barrier to entry rather than um, the government itself, right? Because. When you look at it, there's there's a term that that uh, I think comes to play here. And that's common ownership. A lot of investors they don't just have money in Delta or American or United. They have in all three, um, you know. Uh, and, and so one of them is a guy named Warren Buffett, right? So right. he has he just announced he didn't announce, but it came out that he just recently decided to reinvest in in airlines. Well, which one did he invest in? American, Delta, United, and Southwest. Right. Happen to be the four largest airlines in the country. Right. So do they want to see more Avelos and more Breezes come in? Right. So right. a lot of credit to Avello and Breeze and anybody else that comes along. Aha. Uh-huh, because, um, you know, it's not easy to get financing for an airline, but they they managed to do it. During during COVID,
0: which was yeah, interesting. to right. do that. And I, I guess I give them credit. But I said, like, why do you think that's? that that is happening. We're saying this is a whole, we got to have another conversation because we can talk about this new wave of low cost carriers. Yeah, that would be a good talk. They they actually, but as we started this discussion, that they could be part of the solution uh, because now you can get between city pairs that weren't served very well. Uh, The problem is I have, I still can't get my in my head around their schedules because yeah. it's not close to me and I, they haven't started service out of white planes, but this right. is a possible solution. Why, how did, how did they do this in the last two years? How did they get out of the box?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, again, we're back to that pilot shortage thing. Again, there isn't a, there isn't a shortage of pilots, according to the uh, airline pilots association. They're the largest okay. Alpa is the largest pilots union in the country. And they just put out a statement It's worth it's worth reading for everybody in the travel industry. It's it's very enlightening, Um, you know, because they they did the deep dive and they showed how many licensed commercial pilots there are in the United States. That's not to say they're all up to speed on training, et cetera, but that, you know, they're out there. when when you uh, again, I mean, we're, we're sort of coming full circle to where we started. When you hear there's a pilot shortage or mechanic shortage, to me that's like nails on a blackboard because to me it's like half a statement. Right. Um, it's like there's a shortage of mechanics that don't want to work for minimum wage after putting all their time into learning their craft, and it's obviously an important skill, right? And there's a shortage. You know, we we can go back. To 2009 and Colgan Air operating for Continental, and that terrible accident in, Bo- in uh, Buffalo, um, that fatal accident, it changed the rules. Right, we we the whole country was shocked to learn that regional airlines that are operating on behalf of the majors, um, you know that the, that first of all they're separate companies, and, right. and as far as the FAA is concerned, they have nothing to do with what's painted on the side of the plane, whether it's you know Delta, or American, or United, it's a different airline. And that, um, you know, how low the pay was and that, and, and, you know, that was a pilot error that, that, that accident in Buffalo and, you know, there were, there were problems with skills, with training, with hours, you know, one of the first officer had started the day in Seattle and was flying from Newark to Buffalo later that night, you know, this is an industry that when something like that happens, suddenly pulls back, you know, um, I got to know some of the the the, the family of of, uh, of the victims on that. And I, and I interviewed them. I went up to Buffalo and I met with them. They're really extraordinary people because they they've, they they're the ones that got that law written. Right. And uh, Captain Sullenberger said the same thing. He said, I salute these families. They're the ones that did this. Well, what are we looking at now? Sure enough. Uh, so it floated, uh, you know, in the airline industry last week. Well, one way we get more parts if we loosen those standards. <laughs> That's not the answer. Okay, no, that is not the answer. Let's talk about to. pay and compensation. Okay, it's not okay. We have a, we have a shortage here. Let's um, let's weaken the safety standards. That'll solve things. No, thank you very much. You know, um, so you know the, the airlines have to answer these questions. <laughs> the flights are full. The bookings are backed up out the door. The fares are going up. You're going to have to loosen the purse strings a little and and start paying for skilled labor. And this is obviously a very skilled job, and it's a life and death job. So let's do it right. And I think that's what they need to be called on. And they are out there spinning and spinning and spinning. And when I see statements from them as recently as a few days ago saying, well, they're in air traffic control, saying, you know what? They're not having an, an intellectually honest argument. They're not saying, here are the problems. Let's talk about it. If you're going to say it's weather, then we can't even talk because we're not even on the same page. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. So that, that's where we are. Well, let's see. Let's
0: see if we, we can get through this summer and then uh, you know, the airlines will recognize that what they have to do and that will start to communicate a lot better than they are now, both to uh, passengers and to travel advisors who book those passengers. Right. And, and once again, I mean, I I'll, everybody out there is, is I'm preaching to the choir here. Uh, you as travel advisors out there. You uh, really need to to work with your, your clients to make sure they can get to their destinations, but you also need the information to do that. And, right. and hopefully there's going to be a little bit more of give and take uh, this summer because, you know, we're back traveling. You know, that's a good thing. That's a Run, good thing. Everybody different. wants to get back. We have the we can travel internationally now. We don't have the testing coming back in, which is another thing that probably you know boosted flights. So we have a great environment to travel in. And now we have this issue. You know, it's like you, 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 just when you think you're you're you got solve one problem, you got another one. So uh, let's see if we can get through there. Uh, Bill, I want to thank you again. Uh, we I do, you just opened up a whole bunch of topics. I I think uh, we got to get back online and talk about this new wave of. Low cost carriers, and we have to talk about the big kahuna coming up with the uh, JetBlue Spirit, which uh uh, a deal, which I think is going to happen now. I think uh, JetBlue won't give up, which is uh, another thing you haven't seen in a long time—a hostile corporate takeover of an airline, which is uh, kind of uh, interesting. Of all things, very nice JetBlue. Uh, so, what? Hap- why, why, are, why are they? They're—you they, know—hard to believe they're a hostile takeover player, but uh, they seem to. It looks like they may win this out, out and we're going to have to see what that means. Uh, both for them and uh, for their actually Northeast Alliance, which is another topic. We got a lot of topics. I yeah,
1: and I'll I'll leave you with this thought. Um, in in our view, at American Economic Liberties Project. We look at all airline uh, mergers as hostile to consumers, so there's 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 the to- a talking point for our next discussion. Absolutely, uh, let's schedule that one. And and can you uh, for people who want
0: to know a little bit more about your organization and, and you're so new, maybe you don't know what the URL is, but where can they go to find out more about this? Group? Sure, EconomicLiberties.us.
1: Okay, you know it, American Economic Liberties. Uh, project and um, there's there's information there about all of the staff and uh, like I say it's a great group they're um, they're very enthusiastic and they're out there you know I'm I'm in my my row here and I'm dealing with airlines and travel but um, they're dealing with everything they're they're in the midst of. All of the the talk with big tech and mergers that are happening there, and they've been involved in you know the 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 baby formula shortages and and supply chains and shipping and rail you name it and they're in on it. So um, it's a great group. They're very dynamic, very enthusiastic, and I love it. It's it's just been uh, the I, best. Kind, of, kind of
0: sounds like your old group, but that's another. We won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Consumer Reports. I thought that's what they used to do. Uh, right. But anyway, great great to see that you're landed in this great new role. Uh, we will be talking. Believe leave me both online and i think uh you're gonna come vi- come come uh he's gonna uh, uh in the uh, i'm doing a show called the international travel show this october and hopefully bill will show up and Bring Absolutely. all these friends and airlines and have a wonderful, wonderful panel during the consumer days, uh, which I think is going to be October 30th, but uh, in at the Javits Center in New York. But uh, we'll, we'll certainly talk to Bill before then. I know I will. Again, right. Bill, thank you so much. And uh, good luck. Good luck. I know you're, you're off uh, on a flight yourself. So right. Don't, hopefully that flight doesn't get canceled.
1: Yeah, thank you. Knock wood. Let's hope so. Good talking to you, James.